You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 60 called EdTech Buffet with Stephanie Howell. In this episode, we'll be interrupting our G Suite series for a special sit down with EdTech guru, Stephanie Howell. We talked to Stephanie about her digital EdTech smackdowns, the Google Innovator Program, and organizational EdTech hacks. At the conclusion of the episode, we put Stephanie on the Got Tech hot seat. This episode is packed with tips and ideas and is one you don't want to miss. Check it out. Our guest today is a middle school instructional technology coordinator for Pickerington Schools and former special education teacher. She is a Google innovator, ISTE presenter, and recent recipient of the WOSU Leadership Award, PLSD's Innovative Leader Award, and was part of the team named ISTE's Distinguished District. Welcome to the show, Stephanie Howell. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I love listening to podcasts, so I'm really excited to be on one. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. I mean, I challenged Nick to try to do that intro in one breath. He obviously failed uh, yeah. at that. And uh, you have such an impressive resume and you have been somebody that we've wanted to be on the podcast for a while. We actually talked about getting you on way before I actually connected with you on Twitter about coming on to the show. So thanks for being here. All right. So let's get a little bit into your teaching background and your experience. I know that you have come full circle from you know where you were before you began teaching to where you are now. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now and where you came from? So when I first started, I wasn't going to go into education. I was thinking more of design or advertisement, something like that. And I actually, my sophomore year, I started volunteering in the MD unit. So it was multiple disabilities unit at our, my high school. And these students were amazing. Um, they had issues communicating. They struggled with different things. And a lot of the focus was life skills. And so I worked with these students on different life skills and just seeing them improve over the years was so exciting. And from there, I decided I was going to go into special education. So I went to college and I got my degree and then I got a job and I was an inclusion teacher for students with disabilities. And I co-taught most of the day with a math teacher. And it was a lot of fun. It was difficult. My first year, I kind of struggled up until December. Um, the students would come with me once a week and do writing. And I was just struggling to engage them. And I was just struggling at making connections with my students. And so Christmas break came, I kind of had a time to like reset for two weeks and figure everything out. Because as a first year teacher, it's just crazy when you're first getting into it. And I went home and I got onto Pinterest and I found Google Classroom. It was like brand new. And it's not the Google Classroom we see today. That's like amazing. It was like pretty pretty bad. Um, and the kids, I introduced it to them on a Friday for their writing goals. They had choice. So that helped out a lot. I was able to get to know my students because I could actually read what they were typing instead of their handwriting. And then they could also use tools that made them feel more confident, like spell check, or they could look up information if they needed to on the web. And 
they loved using Google Classroom. They wanted me to use it Monday through Thursday, but I was like, nope, it's just a Friday activity. I didn't want to take that tool from like the magic of it and use it every day where this tool is useful every single day. So I should have let them, but it allowed me to provide better feedback to my kids. Um, it allowed me to have the document open and watch them as they're doing it. So I could provide that feedback right away. And then my second year, I went back to school for my master's and it was curriculum and instruction. And I did my project all about inclusion and technology to see if it did improve because this was when our district was about to go one to one. And I was really into technology like Kahoot and all those different kinds of ways and go formative. And of course, those products aren't like they are today. Um, everything's been developing and so much better. And we used it and I saw the impact in my studies and all of that kind of stuff showed the impact. And so from there, I just took hold of it and kind of grabbed on to technology and wanting to use it in my classroom every day. I was that teacher that would steal the iPad cart and no other teacher was allowed to use it. <laughs> um, and then finally, we went one to one. And after that year, um, we had board members in our classroom in and out just because we wanted to show them the how amazing this device was for students and that it needed to go district wide because it was just at our grade level. And then from there, the following year, I thought I was going to teach again until a couple weeks. They told me, pack up your classroom, you're becoming an instructional technology coordinator. Um, so I applied for that job like in April. And then I found out like the last week of July. And it, having a teacher pack up her classroom the last week of July is pretty stressful. <laughs> but I managed to do it. And I'm um, so glad I made that decision because if I didn't, I wouldn't have had the same opportunities that I did because I was an introvert. And Going down that route, it's really opened me up. I've been able to, you know, go to Google Innovator Academy and it's helped me make connections and get outside of my comfort zone and try new things. Also becoming an ISTE distinguished district, really taking what we've learned in Pickerington and sharing that with other districts and seeing the success that we have and seeing other people really take off with it has been a huge success. Yeah, that's uh, super cool. One thing that I could take away f uh, from what you were talking about is I didn't go the natural straight into ed tech at all. We had the one-to-one -one, um, conversation at our school and they asked me to pilot that's that one-to-one uh, -one program. So that's pretty amazing. And uh, the other piece that I really like about this that I would never have guessed is that you're an introvert because after you know all the stuff on Twitter and everything you think you have someone pegged for an ex extrovert but uh you you got me fooled there I I would have never guessed that yeah I definitely have grown out of my shell um it wasn't easy but Google definitely does that to you so I highly suggest the innovator program you you gain so much from that program you gain a community you gain friends um, you gain a project and then you just have a confidence that's so unreal. But yeah, I was completely an introvert, which I still am, but I feel more comfortable now presenting and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like we kind of all have that in common. I know Geis and I are both now in the ed tech world too, and neither of us really set out to be. We both just kind of said yes to the right opportunities at the right time and you slowly discover how great it can be, which just sounds like a sort of your story as well. Um, but I definitely want to get into, you just mentioned the Google Innovator Program. We've had a, a several guests recently that have touted this as something that's a game changer for them in their career and their teaching. And it seems like that's sort of the path you went down too. So would you walk us through your project and how you put it together and what the end result of that was? Just sort of describe the whole thing. Um, so when I first applied, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get in. I'm just going to apply and hit submit and not tell anybody. And then I remember this the day of 
I got a nice little Google chat, which I don't know if you guys use Google Hangouts at all. Yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> well, my chat went off because it was like 3 a.m. But in Australia, that was their, you know, middle of their day. It was their working hours. I wake up to like all these messages, people so like excited and congratulating everybody. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, who's, who are these people? And how did they get my number, you know, like my email address <laughs> and all this stuff. And that's how I found out. And then I had to, I couldn't tell anybody because I had to make sure with my boss, it was okay. Cause he, no one knew I was applying and I had to wait until like 2 PM. And then I had, he said, let me talk to the superintendent to see if we can go. Cause the cohort was during the school year. And then I had to wait again until I could talk to our superintendent. So I just like had this secret that I couldn't share with anybody until it was like all good to go. So that was like the first experience of it. And then after that, you go to a three-day cohort, you learn the design thinking process, and it really focuses on the user. And I was not user focused. Um, I was me focused. And I was so focused on myself and what I thought I needed to change wasn't what the teachers needed. And that was a big weakness that I quickly, quickly learned through the Google Innovator program was focus on your user and figure out what you need to do to help that user and maybe it is cutting back, maybe it is you know speeding up those early adapters, figuring out what every individual user needs. Um, they showed a picture, it was like the toilet and then the toilet roll was like on the other side of the bathroom. Well, that's not good for the user. It might be good for the designer because it's easy for them to throw it away You know, after the user uses that roll. And that image just sticks with me when I'm talking with teachers. Like, what does the teacher need? What do our students need? Who is the user in this situation and how can I make their life better? And so from there, um, I mean, it was life-changing. I really highly suggest anybody should go to the Google Innovator Academy and you should apply. And then from there, you create a project. So my project, of course, was focused on students with disabilities just because that's my passion. And then it was also with depth of knowledge. So a lot of my teachers were teaching at the level one DOK level. So more of that recall level. So they would do a Quizlet live game. Well, that's just DOK one. There's not a whole lot of extended thinking there. It's just a quick recall and to see if students really quick know things. That's the easiest way to teach because there's not a whole lot of involvement or grading or feedback with that DOK one. You know, the computer can grade it. Everything can go like that. So my goal was to get teachers from level one to more three and four to where they were extending the students' knowledge. And my focus was students with disabilities, but the teachers took off with it and it was kind of all kids. So I linked my project in the show notes. And so on the website, every month has a different focus. And I used Hattie's work to help me with that focus. So month one was relationships, August, because if you don't have relationships, your students will not learn from you. If they don't like you, they're not going to learn from you. And so the teachers focused on that and building that up. And how can I go from, you know, just a quick Google form to get to know my kids to having weekly meetings with them or talking with them as they come in, like a would you rather type of activity. And then like the next month was vocabulary. So how do I take that Quizlet? and get it to more of that extended thinking. So maybe I use Flipgrid or something like that to promote more of that creative. So using technology intertwined with that. So I just graduated from Sydney 19 and my teachers really did a great job with my project. They really grew and it was interesting just to see the progression of here's level one and now our kids are more at a level three and four. And I don't think teachers even knew that they were teaching at that level one area. 
once they saw the lesson plans kind of and ideas laid out for them, they were like, oh, that makes sense now. I do need to extend that knowledge. Yeah, a couple of things that are pretty cool about your response. First of all, that image of the toilet paper, I'm going to probably take that and steal that for something. Uh, But that whole image and the whole providing choice with the would you rathers and things like that, that all goes with uh, UDL, Universal Design for Learning. And I think that is just something that is right up both Nick and my alley. Uh, So that really resonates with me. And I'm going to look over your, your project even more than what I did before we started this podcast, because I mean, taking your teachers and, and students from the level one to the level three, three is, is it's a feat. It's, it's pretty cool and it's a challenge. So it's more of a student centered, personalized learning environment. And that, I, I, I applaud you on that. That's, that's not easy to do. And we even came back to, you need all levels with DOK not just three and four, you have to have levels one and two also. So how do we use all the different levels to help student learning? Because DOK one and two really do help with the learning science and that retrieval practice. They don't have any background knowledge on it. They're going to really struggle later down the road. Absolutely. So so something else that I thought was interesting is you talked about from the Google Innovator Academy, keeping your user in mind, right? Well, that's it's sort of like computer speak. If you switch that over to the teacher side, to me, that sounds a whole lot like, you know, student-centered. You got to consider the people that are going to actually be using your lessons and being engaged with your lessons. And I think that's really another sort of important message that sort of comes out of, of what you said there. And I think that's a big element of your project too. Just one one follow-up before we leave that and get into some other stuff that you're involved in, Stephanie. Um, you keep using the acronym DOK. What exactly, I don't know if I'm supposed to know that. What does that stand for? Um, so DOK is depth of knowledge. Okay. It's kind of like a learning progression. So a lot of the recall is level one and then all the way to level four, which is more of that extended slash like justification. Okay. Because you're, the title of your project is helping that kid where, and that is in quotations, I believe. So how does that tie in with the DOK thing? Um, so again, my focus was all spec ed. So right. that kid being that student that really struggles. And that was my user was a student. Her name was Bella. She was in my class the first year I taught and she was an amazing artist. So using that strength, which is a higher level skill, if you can make that with vocabulary and I could have had her draw more. So that's kind of my focus. And she was like that kid for me. Got it. So did she do a lot of like sketch noting and things like that as, as the program? She did not because I didn't let her, you know, (laughs) like you look back and you're just like, man, I sucked. Um, So that was one of the moments where I was just like, she could have done sketch noting. She could have done comic strips with the vocabulary. She could have taken it so many higher levels, but I stopped her because we did a lot of DOK level one activities because it was quick and easy. Gotcha. So that was my fault. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great that you could reflect on that and then realize that that's an area in which you wish you would have improved. And it's from it being on your brain now, it makes you a better educator. I, I could say that with the way that I used to question. I was the, I look back at my first couple of years and I was like, man, everything is recall. Hey, what's the definition of it? I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible teaching. I was a terrible teacher. I don't know how I got tenure. And then as you start getting into my fourth, fifth, sixth year, when I started taking on case-based learning and project-based learning and problem-based learning and claims, evidence, reasoning, and all that stuff, then you learn how to uh, really ask the true questions that I wish I would have done the first three years. And my students would have been better off for it instead. You know, some of them had to go through some growing pains 
parents in college because, uh, you know, maybe they didn't learn that style of teaching from their, their high school experience. But the thing is, is I grew from it. And it's awesome that you're, you're doing the same thing there. And that was what was huge at Google Innovator. They would put timers up and make you reflect and think. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting way to do it. But how many times do we do that in PD with teachers? We don't let them practice. We don't let them reflect and think on their practice. And then we wonder why they don't get ahead with what we're teaching them or why they don't try it. So that was something that I also took away was just that reflection piece and giving people time during the day to actually do it and not thinking they're going to do it on their own. Right. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense and kind of makes me think of one of the other things we wanted to ask you today is you do a lot of right tech integration with teachers. And that's sort of what we were just getting into. So what if our audience right now is like sitting there watching you present a, a, some sort of professional development on integrating technology? What are like the best practices that you encourage more than anything else? Are there certain frameworks you look to, certain mottos, uh, any, any kind of quotes? I know you gave us the toilet one, which like I said, we're definitely going to steal that. So thanks. But like, what are your go-to things you try to push to uh, to educators who are listening to you as far as tech integration? Uh, the first thing is relationships. I truly believe if you don't have relationships with your students, they're going to struggle and they won't really want to learn from you. Um, they'll kind of hate you for it. So get to know your kids first. And once you have that relationship built up, then I like to go into that blended learning model. And blended learning to me, I mean, that's like such a huge word, can look multiple different ways. Um, so I've got some teachers that do like a station rotation model. So the timer goes off every 10 minutes and the kids switch to different stations. So there might be a teacher station. There might be the four C's type of station. So the kids are using their soft, I hate soft skills. So um one of the people in my cohort, he actually did keys to success. So working on those success skills is what he calls them. Um, so focusing on those different skills of kids collaborating together, creating together, communicating and using those skills on different projects, kind of like a project based learning activity. And then you have the computer. So the kids are doing, you know, iReady or they're watching an Ed Puzzle video using some type of computer activity. And then the next one would be independent. So they're taking all that knowledge and putting it into their independent. So again, that could look like a station rotation model that could look a student pace model as the teachers feel more comfortable, they can move to that next level of blended learning and to where the kids are on their own pace. So the teacher is more differentiating, the teacher is providing different feedback to kids. And it's a classroom where kids are just going at their own pace and mastering skills at their time when they're ready. Yeah, I think uh, I, I liked how you said that blended learning is this massive topic because pretty much anything that anyone does, you could somehow find a way to incorporate that into blended learning. Uh, our, our district has gone through the blended learning process after we went into our full one-to-one -one integration. We're now going into a badge system where teachers can uh, do professional development on their own time and uh, earn badges that would count towards their professional development hours. But that's kind of also an asynchronous, uh, I don't know, blended learning approach to that whole model that we set up there. But all that is great stuff. Uh, I, I just feel like you're hitting a lot of the main pieces that spread across many different successful learning practices. And I think that's awesome. So let's uh, transition a little bit. And I guess it was mid-April, which seems a long time ago, but it really isn't that long time ago. Uh, I had the privilege of spectating your EdTech Smackdown, and it was one of my favorite things uh, to watch because Nick and I, we do something very similar, not only on this podcast sometimes, but 
when we go to professional developments, we always pit each other against each other. So uh, we're always battling. It's always a competition. And you at EdTech SmackDown, you were one of the organizers of this uh, SmackDown. Can you just talk a little bit about it and your experience organizing it and what it's all about? So I am completely type A. And this SmackDown was like last minute for me. Um, So it was a week last minute. To me, like planning a big SmackDown like this should have probably taken a month just because of my personality and like I have to-do list and a schedule. Now this happened like a week before. One of my teachers, we had PD on this Wednesday and one of my teachers reached out and she's like, can you do the SmackDown? Cause I do it at um, our innovative conference every January. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And I usually get teachers from the district. Well, I'm not asking teachers right now to do anything other than what they're doing because they're doing so much. <laughs> So I decided to ask some of my Google innovator and trainer friends that I knew. And then from there, they kept asking people they knew. And I'm thinking, oh, this is just going to be seven people presenting. And it was like 30 people. And for someone that's type A, you have 30 different personalities and people that like to wait until last minute. And I'm on the phone with like Abid last minute when we're like trying to quickly get this website ready, get everything ready. And of course, like you can't get the YouTube live link until you go live. So trying to figure out how we're going to send this invite out to like 500 people. And I was like shocked that we got that many signed up to begin with. But it was just it was a fun experience, but it was crazy. Like something that again, I probably wouldn't have done without going to like Google Innovator because that's totally not my personality. I'm like one that needs like a lot of time to plan and then it all has to be organized and ready to go. This was like super stressful for me. And I'm thinking this is just gonna be, you know, a demo slam where people just share their quick one minute tool and what it was gonna be like. Well, Abid calls me like four days after I shoot this idea to him. I'm gonna MC it and this is what we're gonna do. And I think Abid really stole the show with his MCing skills. He completely, amazed me he calls me and he just starts going off his script that he did for the show he's like are you gonna be upset if i do that and i was like no you have to do that now um and everybody loved it <laughs> so just to interject a little bit the whole uh smackdown theme was based on one of my childhood favorite things to watch which was uh you know wwe or what was back then wwf uh wrestling so they uh, you keep saying Avid. We'll put his uh, uh, Twitter handle in the, the show notes as well. But he he was awesome. I mean, he never broke character once throughout the whole thing. He was, he was kind of like, if you take a look at the wrestling interviews between matches and stuff, he was so hyped up. I just remember saying, I, I typed into the, the uh, chat. I was like, this guy took caffeine and shot it straight to the vein because he was, he was up there. And I was like, good for that. Good for Avid. I mean, he was so entertaining, and you guys somehow came up with videos uh, after each round because there's several different rounds in this SmackDown. And between rounds, there was a vote, and there was also some type of a video that kind of took a WWE or WWF star, and they played that person and kind of said something techie using some of the lines that those uh, wrestlers used. It was it was absolutely phenomenal. I had such a great time. Yeah. So Devin came up with the video ideas. And like once he created one, I'm so competitive, like it's kind of sad. <laughs> and I was like, well, now I have to make one. So I was like trying to plan out. I'm like, I've never even watched wrestling. So I'm like sitting here trying to plan out what I was going to say and like watching wrestling videos to figure out what is even like appropriate for this. <laughs> so yeah, a couple of us made videos and then 
everybody had a minute to dem demo slam their favorite tool for each topic. So there was about 10 rounds and there was a question that went around it. So like best tool for formative assessment, best tool for student feedback, best tool for using the four C's and everybody had a minute and due to time differences, we had to do some that were recorded through video, but I still think it worked out pretty well. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. No, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. One of my favorites was one, I think she was from Australia. She killed it. She killed it. And I, I knew that that was recorded, but it was absolutely phenomenal. And there's just so many. You had a Texan guy on there. He was, uh, I, I forget his name, but he was another one that killed it. He was on there a couple times. It's just such a fun way of doing professional development. Is this something that you guys are going to plan on doing again sometime? Um, we're thinking about doing it quarterly because it went so well. Um, so hopefully we can get enough people. And we're also looking for smackers. So if anybody is competitive and wants to join the next event on the website, which is in the show notes, you can join as a smacker. And hopefully you can create a fun promo video and we'll have questions again, probably the same way. We might not have as many because it went on for like two hours. So we might have to cut it down depending on how many people we get. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to have two smackers sign up right after this. Yeah. Guys, you're perfect for this. So you, I, you have to do it. This is like what you're made to do. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I have more time to plan, so yeah. I'm good. I want to know what I want to know what categories uh, Nick signs up for because I don't care what it is. That's the one I want. I want to yep. be in that one. Yep. Yeah, this we have our... to think of some. So if you guys think of some good categories, let me know. So the website, which is in the show notes, on that website, they could also watch the past SmackDown. Yeah, the past SmackDown is in there, and then somebody created an amazing Wakelet resource. Oh, wow. And she took that. It's all on the website, too. She took the re the SmackDown and she took our videos and kind of made them smaller for her teachers. And then I just asked her if we could put it on the website. And she said, of course. So it is all on the website, every resource and the slide deck and everything. Uh, that's phenomenal. We'll have to check that out and also share that out as well. Uh, it was just such a good time. I would recommend everyone going over to the website and checking out the EdTech Smackdown. Make sure that you also check out some of the uh, the interview-like videos. Those are very entertaining. I could definitely see how you're all very competitive. It was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous listening to it. It sounds awesome. I wish I had checked it out, but I'm definitely going to catch the next one and hopefully be a part of it. Um, I do have to mention, though, my favorite part about these, uh, any kind of ed tech smackdown or throwdown or sort of where you sort of pit apps against each other is you learn so much. It's like the, it's just, it's crazy time of inspiration and oh my god I didn't even know that was out there and I always get most excited about things that we sometimes call like ed tech hacks like little tricks that not everybody knows about so I don't know if, if you have any uh, that you have already shared Stephanie or that you would just want to share with our listeners today one of your favorite sort of new uh, ed tech hacks so this one was in my smackdown that I actually won on that round and it was the activity dashboard I had no idea this existed until the SmackDown. One of my coworkers, um, David Hayward, he was like, have you guys seen the activity dashboard? And I was like, no, what is that? And if you click it, you can actually see who has accessed your document. So I've got a ton of teachers that are like super stressed out because their kids aren't logging on. And they're like, I don't know if the kid has even seen the checklist. Like, I don't know if they've been on at all with distance learning. And so I told them use the activity dashboard. It's found under tools and it's the last one. And you can see when people have last looked at your document, you can send emails if you've added them as collaborators. And it's just really helpful to use, especially during this time of distance learning. And again, I had no idea that was there. 
it was like a hidden secret. <laughs> as you're as you're talking, I'm checking it on our uh, show notes document. I had no idea that was there either. That's uh, that's so cool. It's exactly what I was talking about. These are the these little tidbits are always the most exciting thing. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Yeah, this I just don't know what to say because I thought we knew everything about uh, you know, what's hidden inside of these. We were I know. We were showing teachers the other day the uh, the explore uh, under tools. And they were like, whoa, you can get videos and everything and bring them into your Google Docs without leaving Google Docs. And I was like, yeah, exactly. And now we have another thing to kind of share out with them, the activity yep. dashboard. Yep. That's, that's absolutely. And I think that's true. Like, I think the Explore tool is like an old tool. You know, I use it all the time. It's nothing new. And then when I show someone, they're like, it does what? Like, I'm like, you didn't <laughs> know about that? You know, like what? Um, but it, uh, you have to share, even if you think people know about it. <laughs> Yeah. Assume. The the other one, um, I don't know who shared it during the SmackDown, but I absolutely love it. And this is one that I, I liked it so much. I actually reached out to the guy that is making it um, and it's called Moat. It's an extension. Uh, that's another one which I love because Nick and I use talk and comment all the time. And then all of a sudden uh, when I recorded any type of feedback into the comment section of the doc, it would make my voice be slower and lower than it already is so it sounded if uh eeyore was slow that's kind of what it sounded like so i was like i can't use this anymore and i couldn't figure out why it was being so slow so i i uninstalled extensions i i did everything to speed up my computer and then i saw everyone else was posting the same thing well moat will allow you to record a voice note or a voice comment and it will also transcribe it so the students get an audio uh, record of it and they also get the transcript and that is a special ed gem right there in my opinion i could see how this is great for that population yeah we've been using moat and it's amazing i love how it trans scribes like you said and then the teachers the kids can hear the teacher's voice it's a great way to kind of keep that personalized uh, learning effect especially during uh, these tough times with uh, COVID but we, we got to talk about one other thing that you've introduced this to me uh, indirectly but the 32nd film festival this is probably the number one thing I can't wait to try from this episode I mean the dashboard is great and I love all the Google innovator stuff and the throwdown was awesome. But this 30-second film festival is a game changer, especially with stuff that I like to do in the classroom. Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I stole this idea from Brian Host. He is um, from Sydney, Australia. So he actually came to the Energizer because after Google cohort, you have like an Energizer with past members that can come. And he is an amazing educator. So I really highly suggest you find him and connect with him. And he did this 30 second film festival and I completely stole it from him and took his idea and ran with it. And so what the kids do is they have 30 seconds um, is the end product. So their video cannot go past 30 seconds. It has to be either, you know, 25 seconds to 30 seconds. It can't be anything less, but it's got to be in between that range. And in there they get five. I love how he did this. He did five minutes for planning, eight minutes for filming, and then another eight minutes to edit. Because so often we're like, here's 30 minutes, go create a video. And there's no structure where this gives kids structure. Okay, five minutes, you're planning, the timer's up. Now you've got eight minutes to film and then you've got five minutes to edit. 
And then I usually, if I need to, I can add more time where I see needed, or I could take it away if I see that it's needed to be taken away. And then from there, the kids work in groups of three to four, and the kids have that five minutes of planning. So I give them like a document to kind of story plan what they're going to say and what they're going to do. And you always give them a topic. So for this one, I did like changing the world. And their goal was to create a 30 second video on changing the world. So the kids will plan something. And then they have eight minutes to actually go and film it. Sometimes I'll let them go outside. If there's another teacher with me, she can go in the hallway or outside and the kids can film wherever they want to. And then once they're done filming, they'll use we video and then they'll edit their video and they can add text they can add music um and then at the bottom there's like bonus objects that they can put in and earn extra votes so if they have like a book or use a certain vocabulary word they get extra points for doing so and then after that we watch all the videos and usually i have the kids send it to me through like google classroom and then we just watch them the kids will vote on a google form who had the best video that's fantastic i love the cupcake war effect in there uh, with the timers and how long that they have uh, to go from one thing to the next to the next. I think that also adds a extra level of uh, competition in there. This is definitely something that we're, we're going to take from you. I'm already decided choosing to steal this for my AP chemistry kids once uh, the AP exams are over because I need to fill that time and now they're all home. So this is an awesome thing for me. So thanks for that. Um, and I think that pretty much wraps it up for our first segment. So if you're listening, remember to check out the show notes. Uh, we'll have a copy of the 32nd Film Festival document there for you to check out. Also, uh, Stephanie's uh, Google Innovator program project website to sort of see what she put together there. Also, don't forget to find Stephanie on Twitter and Instagram at Mrs. Howell, M-R-S-H-O-W-E-L-L 24. But uh, stick around because up next, we're going to put Stephanie on the Got Tech hot seat. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. All right, so now it's my favorite part of any episode where we have a guest that is, of course, the Got Tech Hot Seat. I think Stephanie is especially well-equipped for this, but we'll see if Geis has it in him today to stump her. Uh, if you've not listened to the Got Tech Hot Seat before, we put together seven rapid-fire questions uh, that the guest has not seen before, so you're really put on the spot, hence the term hot seat, to answer them and respond. We like it that way because you get some of the most truthful and honest responses, and um, I'll just sort of listen as Geis uh, peppers uh, you with these questions, Stephanie. And then I think I usually pick about three of them, three of your responses to ask you about at the end. These are generally things that I find uh, most interesting that I think the audience could benefit from hearing. So two questions before we get started. The first one for Stephanie, do you understand the rules and are you ready to be on the hot seat? Oh, I'm so ready. Guys, second questions for you. Do you have your seven questions figured out? I do, but you keep saying I'm going to pepper and go really quick. This is about as fast as I could speak. So, Stephanie, you have plenty of time to uh, to think here. True. That's a good point. All right, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started. All right. First one, Nick collects educational quotes. If he decided to post a quote a day on Twitter, what is an educational quote that he should post? Um, so one of my favorites is from Jimmy Casa, and he just said, remember what you said when you were in that interview seat? And it just kind of takes me back, like, what do teachers need to really think about? Compared to Nick, I am an unorganized mess. I admit it. What is your recommended tool to get organized? 
So you're lucky because I am organized. My favorite is Google Calendar. And then I have a to-do list and you can link it in the show notes if you want. And it has check marks and colors and you can be happy and get things done. (laughs) If you had to make a screencast lesson for your 10th grade class, what is the maximum length it should be? Two minutes. If you were stranded on an island, and I want you to think Castaway with Tom Hanks on this one, which Google app would you pick to be your Wilson? Google Slides. What is an app or an extension that you consider to be a hidden gem? Jamboard. If you were a fortune teller, what would be the function of the next G Suite app that is released? I think like some type of personal assistant for like education. I know we have the Google assistant, but really digging in like, hey, I need to schedule this event and it goes right to your calendar and like does it for you. Like it just knows what to do from your emails and all of that kind of stuff. And like bots are built in and can really help you time manage and save time. Sign me up for that beta test. Uh, Let's see here. When considering all the traits of an effective teacher, rank the following skills from the least to most important being well-liked, being able to provide quality feedback, and having good classroom management skills. So this one was really hard. You did kind of stump me on this one. Um, But I think it's well-liked, having good classroom management skills, and then feedback. But they're all very important. (laughs) And you just completed the Got Tech Hot Seat. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, I got to hand it to you guys. This is, uh, those are fantastic questions. There's about five of those I really could get into. But the first one that caught my attention was actually the first one. He asked you about that educational quote, something about being in an interview chair. We always try and link the stuff we talk about to that, you know, future life that a student will have and, and kind of giving them the most realistic experience possible in school to prepare them for those future things like being in an interview. What is the, what does this quote really mean to you and why did it speak to you so much? I love this quote because when I listen to teachers event, they're always complaining about some type of kid. And I sit in a lot of interviews um, just because of my role. And you listen to these teachers and they're like, yeah, every kid, you know, should be successful. Every kid should be given this opportunity. And then you go into some classrooms and every kid's not given the same opportunity or the teacher is not giving them the same feedback or they're upset about something that the parent would have done or parents aren't doing. And it's like you said in that interview chair that you were going to advocate for that kid. So you need to step up and listen to your advice that you gave when you first were so passionate about teaching and actually do it. Okay. That's awesome. That's like a mic drop right there. Yeah, I I know. I would have dropped my mic. If I was in the meeting with that teacher, that that's a mic drop moment and then exit stage left, you know? Yep. But it's so true. Like, we complain, even I do it, you know, like we complain about different students in our class, but it's like, that's why I went to school for that kid. Yep. That's a, it's a great point to make. And I'm, I'm glad we got to bring that up today in this episode. Um, the second thing, it's not really a, a question. There's no follow up here, but I'm, I am also a type A person like you, Stephanie. I need, I need lists on top of lists and sub coded lists and color coded lists and headings. And it's just a, uh, it's a nightmare. As Geis likes to say, my lists have lists. Um, if you keep a to-do list in your Google drive, I just want to recommend something to you. And if the listeners haven't heard us say this before, our good friend, Kyle Nemus of Classroom Q turned Geis and I onto something called Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. Have you seen Trello before? Yeah, we use it in our classrooms for blended learning as like a 
not like a to-do list, like a, it's like on the board so every kid can see what's expected for the day. Okay. I just want to throw that out there in case you hadn't heard of it. Usually the, the list makers are really excited about uh, Trello. So I wanted to make sure we got into that. Yeah. That one's nice because you can take it and like drag it. Yes. So it's never like deleted. Right. I love, <laughs> I love Trello, but because both of you are like type A and very organized, take a guess as to how many tabs I have open right now. Uh, I can't I even hear know. it. Uh, no, I only it's... have one. And I have an inbox of zero. <laughs> oh, come on, zero. <laughs> I, I have 22 tabs open right now, and my inbox, we're not going to go there. It's well over. It's hundreds, if not a thousand, I'm telling you. But I know where all of them are if I need to find them. There's no way. You can't know that. I do. You need Toby. Have you heard of Toby? Uh, yeah, and I, I tried Toby, and I tried one tab. Um, so you're just screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like one tab over Toby, but uh, I, I feel like I, I got to Toby when it first came out and it was a little buggy. Everyone keeps telling me to go back to Toby, so I might have to check it out. I'm, I'm just still trying to deal with Stephanie's zero yeah. in, email inbox. I got mine down to seven today and I was pumped on that. So I'm going to have to really put some work in tomorrow and get it, get it down. I, I use snooze a lot. Okay. So some people are like, that's not really inbox zero, but I, I think it is. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that helps. I think it counts. And then I use send later. Like, so we don't have like a chat going on if I know it's like a certain person and I'll be like, okay, schedule this to send because oh, I don't want to work brilliant. later. That yeah. is brilliant. That's a because great technique. If you send it right away, they're just going to keep chatting back. <laughs> Where if you give it some time, they, they, they will usually not. <laughs> Two things. Brilliant. Second thing, you just gave away your secret to the people that you snoo or uh, send later to. So I know I'm going to not have to recommend this episode to them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, the second thing I actually wanted to get your opinion on was the third question, which is a screencast lesson uh, for your 10th grade class. You said maximum of two minutes. Screencasts are really my thing. It's I do a flipped classroom when we are teaching person to person in, you know, face to face in school. And I'm pretty much doing the same thing now that it's all virtual learning due to the, uh, the COVID-19. But my, I was always really proud that my videos never more than five minutes long. I thought it was great. The kids love it. They can't understand how they can get the whole lesson in five minutes. That's what I like about it. You said two minutes. How do you, can you elaborate on the two minute benchmark for yourself? So what I really like is chunking the videos. Um, I had a teacher that just made like a 40 minute video for one of her lessons. And I was like, why? And I was like, you could have chunked that video. So I think really, it depends on the grade level, like you said, 10th grade. So they could probably handle five minute video, but a lot of kids can't, especially with like disabilities. And so I think two minutes just because you can still chunk and then put it all on a playlist. And then the kids can watch what they need to watch. So if they need to watch the intro, they can watch the intro as many times as they want. If they need to watch you going over vocabulary, that's another two minutes. So really chunking those videos and maybe it does add up to more, but then they can pick and choose what they want to watch and get help on what they need help with. My golden rule when people ask me this is I say no more than a minute per grade and that's the max. But I kind of do like the idea of chunking. I'm, I'm starting to, you know, get ready to teach a course and uh, I am finding myself struggling with my own battle of trying to figure out how long I want to make these things. I only do four slides, five slides, probably tops per lecture, but I could stay on that one slide for a long time. And that 
to me is just very boring for me to do. So how would that be for the students? I'm going to have a one slide or two slide lecture, and that's going to be fantastic if I chunk it. And I, I think I might go that route. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I like the chunking thing. Where they'll be happier to watch three two minute videos than they would be to watch one six minute video. That's an, that's an important thing. So uh, Stephanie, great job. How does it feel to have survived? That feels pretty good. I kind of feel like I do after the smackdown, like just feeling that all of Okay, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> See, me, after the SmackDown, I would have to go for a run and have the Rocky theme song playing in my headphones. Maybe I'll do that beforehand because that really yeah. gets me going. And then I need something to maybe something a little slower to come back down later on. But I'm telling you what. Definitely sign up. uh, Well, right after this episode, I will be over signing up for that. And uh, in the comments box, I'm going to say, put me whatever Nick is. Because, Nick, you're going down, son. All right, we'll (laughs) see. We'll see. Let's let the viewers decide. Just don't stress me out and put things in last minute. (laughs) I I won't. You can count on me for that. (laughs) I will, but there'll there'll be a couple tabs up at the top. So, uh Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, you're absolutely a star on Twitter. Uh, you need to go over and, and check out Stephanie on Twitter. All the stuff that she posts, it's so practical, so useful in the classroom. And, and really, um, that's where value is on Twitter. I know sometimes we get caught up in uh, just seeing how many followers and how many people we could follow and who follows who. But really, when it gets down to it you want to find those people in your pln that are contributing and helping the people around them get better and stephanie you're definitely one of those people for me well thank you so much for having me on i had a great time yeah this was great thanks for coming on thanks for listening to got tech the podcast remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at we got tech on twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases blog posts product reviews and pd announcements you can also follow guys and i individually at guys got tech and at nick got tech on twitter or on instagram at nick got tech finally remember to check out our website gottech.com where we post all our episodes articles and resources available to you for free until next time